Welcome to Movies at Midnight Podcast, the show where we discuss movies that we've watched and do some traveling inspired by their location or their theme. I'm Tanya. And I'm Jorge. And, oh, you didn't do it. And I'm Imhote. I don't like to be predictable, but perhaps <laughs> I'd be the book of Amnumra. Oh, yeah, we're talking about The Mummy from 1999. Not to be confused with the latest Tom Cruise, oh, The yeah. Mummy. Or the original Mummy. Or the original. What an absolute classic for me what a throwback i watched this movie so many times (laughs) as a kid which i guess is surprising because it is such an action-packed adventure film and uh, i think people who pay attention know that's not really my jam (laughs) (laughs) but you know yeah it's definitely nostalgic brings back good memories and and it's weird because I too watched this movie a lot, yeah. but when it was on TV, I yeah. think it was like TNT or something <laughs> like that, that would show this, but I would never put in the DVD or like early on in my Netflix days, like I wouldn't put it on Netflix, but if it was on TV, I would watch it. So it, it's weird. That's how it goes. Uh, yeah, I will say, yeah, very nostalgic. I felt like I'll try and be careful and not make this whole review oh my god, I love that. Oh my god, I love this. Oh my god, I remember that. But I mean, it's pretty obvious, especially like this was made in the 90s, that this is um, this is Egypt through like a Eurocentric worldview. We don't learn much, if anything, about the country or its people. So yeah, there's that very colonial vibes, because most of it is set in the 20s, so be of that era. Or 3,000 years before the 20s. Yeah, that's like the very first scene, no? So we have some stereotypical, you know, portrayals of people. And certain genders. Uh, I kind of, you know, not that bad, honestly. I kind of thought Evie was a very strong character, and I felt like she was our, not only our female lead, but maybe our lead, honestly. (laughs) I guess just more comments of uh, that one dude, they're like, oh, the other group's being led by a woman. Right. But you know what they did there? It was funny. He's like, what does a woman know? And then we hard cut to Evie expousing all this information about Egypt and the statues. I'm like, so I think that was purposely done. Like, she knows so much. Look at her. She's telling them all this information. These dudes don't know anything. (laughs) So I I appreciated it. Um, But yeah, because she's like, unapologetic for what she likes she's a librarian and she's unapologetic for destroying that library well yeah that too (laughs) and she's a total egyptologist nerd and i'm surprised she didn't get fired that i love her boss he's (laughs) rightfully upset but he's also so kind or maybe it's his he just understands the politics because he's like you work for me because your parents gave us a ton of money yeah that's fair (laughs) At least he Maybe told there's her. a con- contingency on future payments. You know, I appreciate his honesty. <laughs> <laughs> you know what's interesting? I don't know if it is, again, nostalgia, but I thought the effects looked pretty pretty okay. Pretty good most of the time. Well, I mean, I've seen a CGI, lot worse. I feel like some of it was practical effects. And oh, yeah. so, like, it, that's going to carry on through forever. But some of the CGI in this film what? is... uh. I don't know. I don't think it holds up. Better than, than others, I would say. I'd say the CGI here is better than all the CGI in Bye Bye Man. <laughs> mm. 
I love the the sa- anything with the sand and the face. I think still look pretty good. Yeah, but when the mummy it's walking and it's like, yeah, it, that it barely got eyes. That might be nostalgia for me and remembering how much that terrified me because I was still just entranced by the decomposed mummy. Yeah. I liked it. Yeah, but this is actually. A two-hour movie. <laughs> yeah, it was long. I don't remember it being two I hours. I don't either, but it's action-packed, never stopping, really, so that's probably why it doesn't feel it. I'm ready to hop on in if you are. Cool, cool, cool. I'm going to throw up the timestamp so you can skip the summary. That being said, sorry, it's going to be a long one. You know, sometimes you're like, oh, it's so much action, it's going to be short. It's not. Sorry. <laughs> okay. Opening in Thebes, Egypt in 1290 BC. High priest to the pharaoh, Imhotep, displays his love for Anaksunamun, a woman belonging to the pharaoh. She cannot be touched or loved by any other. When the pharaoh discovers the relationship, Imhotep kills him and flees as Anaksunamun kills herself, knowing that Imhotep can resurrect her. He and his priests travel to Hamanatra, the city of the dead. During his ritual of resurrection to revive Anaksunamun, the pharaoh's guards stop him. Anaksunamun remains dead, and the guards mummify his priest alive while performing the hum die on Imhotep. A torturous curse, never before performed, giving the victim immortality and promising chaos on the world should he ever return. A group known as the Magi stand guard for eternity. In 1923, wayward brother Jonathan shows his librarian sister Evie an artifact he stole from another. This intricate box is actually a key, containing a map to the now-thought mythical city of Hamanatra. Evie is obsessed with Egyptian culture and desperate to find the Book of Amun-Ra. The two track down the man Jonathan stole the box from, and they find him about to be hanged. They strike a deal with this American adventurer, Rick O'Connell. Evie saves his life, and he will take them to Hamanatra. They encounter another group, I'll refer to as the Americans, on their way to Hamanatra. They are led by an acquaintance of O'Connell's, a man who left him for dead, Benny. The Magi attack and warn the two groups to leave multiple times, but they continue their excavations. Evie and friends find the remains of Imhotep still decomposing. The Americans find the Book of the Dead and canopic jars with Imhotep's organs. Evie borrows the Book of the Dead and reads from it, awakening Imhotep. The ten plagues of Egypt descend upon the group as they flee back to Cairo. Imhotep pursues them, consuming the Americans who took his organs in order to regenerate. Benny has joined Imhotep, helping him navigate this new world. Members of the Magi deduce Imhotep's love for Anaksunamun has not wavered and he wants to sacrifice Evie to resurrect her. Evie makes a deal with Imhotep, now fully regenerated, for the safety of her friends. She leaves with him and her friends escape near death. Evie believes the Book of the Dead brought Imhotep back to life, so the Book of Amun-Ra can kill him. Its location, also in Hamanatra. Imhotep takes Evie and Benny back to Hamanatra with O'Connell, Jonathan, and one Magi, Ardith, following. Imhotep prepares Evie for sacrifice, and Jonathan finds the Book of Amun-Ra as O'Connell and Ardith fight the unending waves of mummified guards and priests. O'Connell frees Evie, and she reads from the Book of Amun-Ra, returning Imhotep's mortality. O'Connell stabs him, and he dies in an ominous way, suggesting death is just the beginning. Benny sets off a booby trap that collapses the entire city, and the group scrambles to escape. Benny is trapped inside and eaten alive by scarabs. 
Evie, O'Connell, Jonathan, and Ardeth all survive. The former three ride off together with great wealth collected, unbeknownst to them, by now-dead Benny. For some reason, I want to call him Benji. <laughs> Alright, so like you said, we do open in 3,000 years prior to the 20s in Egypt. Not sometime in the past. Yeah, not 30 years prior to whatever date we're going <laughs> to give you but haven't yet given you. Thanks. <laughs> yeah, we get our scene with Imhotep and Anaxunamun. And I just want to say, this, this movie is a love story. Yeah. It's a heartbreaking. A tragic yeah. love story. A tragedy, one might say. Yeah. It, I think it, it always hits me when Anaxunamun stabs herself. And then in the end, it's like a, a recreation of that. But instead of stabbing yourself, the guards do stab her. It's just so sad. And then you see Imhotep. He's just, oh the true love story just let them be a modern day romeo and juliet Maybe. two forbidden lovers yes Star the world calls. against them pretty much yeah uh i mean imhotep does have his little gold guards who help him out i kind of forgot about well, them you have the capulets helping and the montagues yeah i will say her anaxunamun's makeup my god i always remember that is so gorgeous it's so intricate but like girl just say you you rubbed up against the wall i i bumped into a statue man so it's funny because like i guess i never really realized That's... that as as like a kid like oh, okay. oh you have been touched but it's like i don't know if there's many aksuna moons like how many of probably of, now of, that you say of that. her does the pharaoh have <sighs> but it's like these women who are like covered in very intricate paint where if anyone was to touch them, I guess know. that that paint smudges, it doesn't dry. But like, that's the whole point is no one can touch them. And if anyone does, the pharaoh would know you've been touched. But yeah, like, if it's wet and they bump into something or someone else, like... What if she was about to walk into someone and a guard was like, stop, and accidentally touched her? Yeah. Dude, this is probably the creepiest part of the movie for me <laughs> the fact that you're that controlling oh my god yeah that's heartbreaking to be like that's my life i have to get painted every day and only be touched by one yeah and, and then i loser. wonder you wake up and it's like a a movie star you're in makeup for a couple hours just to get the day started oh my god now i need that her a day in the life yeah, of a day in the moon. moon poor poor woman yeah so we have imhotep who's the pharaoh's high priest in love with i don't know his mistress they, it doesn't seem like they refer to her as his wife no so i mean in in wikipedia it did state say like oh his mistress the pharaoh's yeah. mistress so we can go with so, that <laughs> yeah and they're, they're in love with each other and because the pharaoh noticed that she was touched i don't know how he, he deduces that it must be him no but... he he came up behind him and he's like oh who's been doing this yeah. and and then Imhotep is behind him and turns around and, then, and he stabs him. But then I wonder if, like, was that planned? I don't think so. Killing of the pharaoh, right? Change of power. And not to say Imhotep was going to become the next pharaoh, but was there coercion with whoever was going to be next in line to be like, yes, let's, let's get rid of him? I always got the, the vibe that that was an accident and it was kind of like a... a they got... Fly by the seat of your pants. Passion. More like, I kind of see it as Imhotep protecting her, because what is he going to do now that he, the pharaoh sees that she's been touched? Probably kill her, you yeah. know? Like, oh, you're gross now. I don't want you anymore. You've been... Oh, what's the word? Sullied? I don't know. Tainted? Yeah. 
But then we see that, like like you said, very sad scene where she's like, I am no longer going to be his body or, or my body is no longer his. And she kills herself, which is, you know, a very powerful scene. And she understands that Imhotep has the power to resurrect her. Yeah. So she's like, oh, this isn't really death. I'm just going to die for now and you can bring me back, which he then goes to the city of Hamanoptera. Then I wonder, okay, who who took charge after the pharaoh? Because it seems like they're looking for him. Mm-hmm. But like whoever became the next pharaoh or the current dead's pharaoh's army is like, we, we have to punish whoever killed him. Because yeah, when think- the pharaoh was killed, we saw like the, I don't know, the dudes covered in gold just watch but not do anything. And then we see like these other guards come in. I think the men in... Uh, who were painted in gold are said to be Imhotep's priest mm-hmm. and they were mummified alive along with yeah. him by the guards. But I'd imagine, yeah, of course it's a huge offense to kill the pharaoh and uh, whoever's heir was, his son, would probably be... The- yeah, and, and if that if the son is the one that came into power, I can see why they would look for him because they find him at Hamanoptera. He was about to resurrect uh moon this poor man always getting interrupted <laughs> yeah and it, it's it's like oh so close yet so far like just one stab away but it's like dude you were there and then you stop mm-hmm. and in the ending of the film you're there and then you stop like yeah, just do it hesitance he's like i'm so close what is it that um like paralysis of you're one step away from doing what you've spent three thousand oh. years trying to do and it's like I can't do it. That sounds like the Olympics for like ice skaters and yeah. gymnasts. Like you only have this one moment <laughs> mm-hmm. to nail things that you've been working your whole life to do. Yeah. No thanks. And then yeah, maybe a little bit of stage fright, but Aww. yeah, he gets prevented. And something I don't quite understand is so they're like, okay, you've committed this great crime and the the worst crime of them all, and I can see how they're the practice of mummification. I feel all of us would automatically assume Egyptian culture, that that's, sure. that's what they would do. And even Evie talks about that process where apparently they remove your organs. Yeah. And they're like, they would squish your brain and pull it out of your nose, which I'm like, ooh, that's, well, that's pretty I, intense. And they, they would remove your lungs. and They you didn't know. keep your brain because they didn't think it was important, is what I recall. <laughs> so to punish the priests... They're like, they're going to mummify them alive. But I'm like, as soon as they start doing anything to the brain, I feel like anyone would die. Hopefully. Um, <laughs> you know, we, we've seen in other movies where it's like, oh, if they take out some organs, you can still be alive, like your kidney, for at least a certain amount of time. But then they're like, how do we punish the head honcho of this group? And they're like, we're going to do the worst curse, a curse so bad. That it's never been done before. And it's gonna curse us in return. But, but right. And then that's the part where it's like, this is like the worst curse of them all, the Hyundai. Mm-hmm. But if he ever comes back... We're screwed. <laughs> yeah, so it's like, why would you... Like, it kind of makes sense why no one's done it. Like, do I want to curse the potential future? Yeah. By giving this person this opportunity to come back, however small it may be. But I'm like, you could have just mummified him alive too. Yeah, I, I definitely always thought that as well as a child. Like, but why? I oh, know... I definitely didn't think that. As, really? As a child? I, I don't think well, I, I, mean, I was, I like was thinking of an interesting when I was watching word. it. If then why? Like, okay. Yeah, no, I. It's just like, I get, probably because I watched it so many times, so you just, it just ruminates in your brain. And I was like, but why would you do that? 
Yeah, so this Hyundai, which I'm like, I find it very intense because like the first thing we see is they're cutting his tongue. And then they like wrap him in the, the bandages, I guess, that you wrap a mummy in. But then, like, the worst part is, like, these the scarabs, which is, like, this flesh-eating beetle. Like, that scared me a lot as a child. Like, these things are vicious. Yeah, those scenes always stuck with me as well. Uh, to be fair, until, okay, I guess I did cut his tongue out, but until the scarabs, because I think the idea is that he lives forever, he is tortured unendingly, so the scarabs will eat him for all eternity. Until that bit, I was kind of like, well, I'd rather get what he's getting over Mummified Alive. I don't know. It's just like, they kind of seem on par with each other, yeah, to be it's... fair. But I don't know. Yeah, it's it's fucked up, though. But they threw a lot of them oh, in yeah. there. It's a whole bucket, which I'm like, how did they not crawl out of the bucket? Because like, we see that guy with, I don't know, a mask of Anubis or something oh, like yeah. that. And he's just like carrying this thing. I'd be like, I'd be very careful. Those things are just going to crawl me on. Right. Care. Yeah, that's that's what I mean. And I don't know. The inside of that thing must be extremely slippery because they can't get out. How do you eat a finite amount of mass for eternity? Is he like, yeah, who's as, the one who grows his liver back every night? The one who gets his liver pecked out by birds, eagles? Remember. But yeah, it's as a scientist, I'm always like, matter cannot be created nor destroyed. <laughs> when they opened his sarcophagus, like, the beetles weren't there, so... Oh my god, that was such a good jump scare. Yeah. It still got me. I was like, oh, here it comes, here it yep. comes. Yeah, and it's like, you see his, I don't know, jaw broken? Or it's like, was he screaming so much that That's it, like, what, perf yeah. permanently stayed in that position? But, you know, it's, it's a movie, so certain things have to happen. But, like, we see the scarabs just engulf characters in like two seconds yeah and then when they look at the inside of the sarcophagus evie's like yeah these were scratches well i'm like even if you were this isn't something that's made out of wood it looks like ceramic or something like are your fingernails that sharp that you could scratch if you're desperate enough i, I guess so and then if you want to argue that like yep it, it did scratch but then it's like they carved that saying like death is only the beginning or, or what I yeah. forget what they what yeah. they actually said. I think that's like, what it is. If you're screaming that the scarabs are like eating you, he he scarved he carved that in like two thousand years in when he's yeah, bored. Yeah, like, he's like, God damn it, these like things he's don't bored, stop like eating still, me. Eventually, you know, the pain becomes numb. Yeah, they've you're, eaten everything. Right, everything is relative, so it's what he's used to. Sure. So. But then we flash forward to 1923. The Magi are giving a voiceover. I think it's Ardith, my fave. I always loved him. I'm like, yay, Ardith. Oh, and then even like, sorry. Um, no, you're fine. The creation of the Magi. It's like, you, you curse this man so much, mm -hmm. where it's like, this is the worst curse ever, but if he comes back, we're screwed. So now you have to create this group of people that it's like, your sole job is to make sure this guy doesn't come back. And it's like, they've done a fantastic job for 3,000 years, but this current iteration of the Magi, maybe budget cuts have happened, Aww. but this, like, group is terrible. Aww. So, if your sole goal is to prevent this guy from coming back, they did an extremely terrible job at preventing this group from they resurrecting. They do let them get away with a lot, because at one point, they're, they're fighting in the city of Hamanatra, and... O'Connell pulls out dynamite and they're like, oh, okay, we're done. Yeah. Leave tomorrow. Right. But I will say later on the boat 
when they're attacked by the Magi on their way to Hamanatra, one dude is on fire and still fighting. He is here for the cause. Yeah. He's to his last breath, so good for him. It's 1923, we're getting a voiceover from the Magi, and I think they're saying there have been a lot of wars over time in and around Hamanatra because that's where some of the first pharaohs were buried and buried with all their treasures, so people just want that treasure. Yeah, people didn't discover it. Yeah. So. Well, everyone loves a good story, right? Mm -hmm. I think I tried to find out, like, who who we're looking, watching, who's fighting, and they said it's the French Legion. Yeah, because, like, when we first meet O'Connell, he's, like, speaking in French. The French Foreign Legion. So it's comprised of people who aren't French, apparently. Oh, there you go. <laughs> but, yeah, because he's supposed to be American. Yeah, so. but, yeah, he was speaking French. Yeah, so we get our introduction to, to Benny and to O'Connell. Rick O'Connell and I love Benny because they have they're they're lined up. The army is advancing on them. I guess certain people are like, "Nah, I'm out. I'm done." And Benny's one of them. Because they're like, "Hold the line." Pretty much. And I was just like, "Oh, Benny." It's like when you write in someone's yearbook, "See you next summer. Don't ever change." <laughs> it's like when he reminds me I'm running away. But yeah, he runs away. I have some thoughts about Benny. Um, I kind of like him. I don't have any. He's like he's a survivalist. For me, he's like the comedic relief. Yeah, he definitely that's what he's supposed to be. But like going beyond that, I'm like, he's a survivalist. He'll do anything to save his own hide and and try and live. And like, that's why he brings the Americans back later, because he needs money. He needs money to support himself. And that's the knowledge that he has, which, by the way, I also think that Benny is a very smart man, like a to survive that long out in these I don't know, unfamiliar terrain to himself. And he speaks like 10 different languages. It's very impressive. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I felt bad for him too. It's like, what do you, come on, like Imhotep is advancing on you. He's about to kill you. And you, you have the wherewithal to strike a deal with him. That's impressive. I don't know if he's striking a deal because he like just starts speaking in different languages and then Imhotep, uh, I'm assuming he's speaking Hebrew, but yeah. he's like, oh, it's the language of the slave, so I'm going to make you my slave. I don't know if that's a deal, but I... he then tells O'Connell like, it's better to be, you know, enslaved by the devil than to be fighting against them or something like that. So. I, I say struck a deal because he said, you work for me, I give you gold. That's, he, he said, yeah, I'll give you that's treasure. True. Yeah. Yeah. Which I was like, where are you hiding that gold, Imhotep? You've been in that gold-free sarcophagus for 3,000 years. At this point... You snuck it in somehow. At this point, he's see-through, too. So it's like, yeah. he doesn't have pockets. <laughs> where are you... Yeah, where'd you put that gold? Because he's like, look what I have. Oh, I don't want that. <laughs> like, I think the battle gets interrupted by an amazing face in the sand. Like, those spooky, like, wind... Yeah. Ooh. And I had a question about this because I was like, then does Imhotep, is he already exhibiting power? Like, who is that? Well, what is weird, that? Because like when they're in Hamunatra, they're, they're hearing whispers, yeah. but like we don't know who is whispering. And I'm assuming that Imhotep isn't the only person that, That's I mean, fair. he's the one that has this like crazy curse, but I'm sure there's other people that have somewhat the potential in a world where you think you know, where it's commonly believed that you can resurrect the dead. Yeah. Is there someone who's like in between? Because it's not like people are like, stay away. Or maybe that's the soul of Magi preventing people yeah. from coming to Hamanoptera. I think so. Because then they later we find that the... Heed the call. Don't heed the call is what so. they would say, I would think. <laughs> but I thought we saw a face in the sand at this moment. Yeah. Which, I, like you said, I suppose could be someone else 
another pharaoh yeah. but uh, yeah because it's the movie and we see that similar it does face, seem to be the like, the fingerprint of imhotep yeah, yeah the magi watch from a top of a cliff as as a uh, o'connell runs away into the desert alone and they're like oh should we kill him and ardith is like nah the desert will kill him and i'm like okay hyenas from the lion king <laughs> that didn't yeah. work then either yep. so yeah, now we get our introduction to evie she's in the library she's a librarian and she is uh like I said, this intro scene isn't the greatest because she ends up destroying the entire library, which is very upsetting. Laziness, Evie. Yeah, no, she just or strive for efficiency. Maybe. Oh, right, right. right. She, yeah, she well, doesn't yeah, want to like climb down. Right. Yeah, she doesn't want to climb down. Move the sure. ladder to the other side. I'm glad because it it, it kind of sets up that she's clumsy, but I don't really see that going forward other than her riding a camel but i'm like dude i'd be a mess riding a camel too <laughs> yeah because yeah, like her her boss is like give me the 10 plagues anything but you like you're worse than that so i mean fair like whoa that's so destroyed but i do like how she sticks up for herself see so like strong woman right off the bat he's like why do i put up with you and she's like because i can do this this yeah. this and this and he's like no your parents are rich <laughs> <laughs> so then we get introduced to her brother who freaking jump scares her with a mummy, I think. Like, remains. I'm like, disrespectful. Yeah, which I'm surprised, like, those mummy... I, I don't know too much about, like, mummy artifacts if either. If they're going to be but, out in the open well, like that. Not, well, I guess so. It's It's the 20s and it's a time where finders keepers yeah, way of belief are, right like it's it's the equivalent of going to a cemetery today and digging someone up and being like oh this is cool i'm just yeah. gonna take this person back to my house right. oh were they buried with some belongings those are mine now and <laughs> i'm definitely influenced by movies but i feel like there's other movies where it's like you touch the mummy and it like turns to sand oh sure is is that true i don't know like bone would be brittle at so. what point does bone just disintegrate but i'm like jonathan's in this sarcophagus with a mummy and he's like whoa and it, it like pops out for the jump scare these mummies yeah very you know it's the, the stuff of nightmares i can see why with this being i don't want to say one of the first remakes but like universal making the mummy in the 20s or thir early 30s or something like that with the curse of king tut and now like in modern day like a lot of those fears are still there it's just people who have died getting buried. You're like, okay. Well, for I guess me, it, it's kind of like the reincarnate, similar to zombies where I'm like, what scares people? And it's like something that is human-like that is not quite human that maybe behaves kind of like a human, but it's like this mummy where the whole fear behind a mummy is that it could come back to life, right? Like the living dead coming back from the dead, mm -hmm. um, I feel like is a very primitive fear. Sure, yeah. So I did want to say, though, because she, Evie's like to her brother, oh, you're so disrespectful. You're playing with the dead and these artifacts and agreed. But then she sits on a freaking statue. I'm like, is that not also an artifact? <laughs> you're also. Yeah. And then it's funny because he gives her the lament box, mm -hmm. as I said. It looked like the Hellraiser box a little yeah. bit. And it opens up. It's a cool design. It's like. um Like a star. Yeah. And it actually ends up being a key later. But there's a map inside Tahamanatra. 
and she just bare hands it oils all oh, over yeah, this parchment yeah. i'm like did they know about that in well, the it's 20s? the 20s i don't i don't know if they were wearing gloves back then but that is the time period when everyone decided oh i think i'll go to another country and dig up their dead yeah. it'll be so fun mm-hmm. but maybe yeah maybe they didn't know treasure hunting but her Looking boss for the city of el dorado yeah yeah it's pretty much that because some people i think some people or they say that some people call Hamanatra the city of gold or something yeah. to that effect. Uh, but they show her boss because she's, I don't know, she's been trying to get into this one prestigious uh, group. Yeah, a group of, who are very well known, I don't know, Egyptologists maybe. They don't really say too much about it. But the boss is like, or her, her boss is like, no, this is fake. This, is, this story is a story of myths. And then he burns it by accident. Purposely. Yeah, he's like, oh. Was that me? Whoops. Whoopsie. So funny. Uh, he's, he's so good. But yeah, you're like, hmm, which does come back because he's part of the Magi. As and that's why I think the Magi is terrible. They've gotten uh, very lazy. You should have burned the whole thing, yeah. Because they're well, like, it, you burned either... part of the map. Yeah, it, even burn the whole thing or, like I said. Oh, it doesn't matter. She loses it on the boat. And then O'Connell's yeah. like, I'm the map. It's I'm fine. Map. <laughs> yeah, I forgot about that. It doesn't even matter. But it, it's one of those where clearly the Magi have expanded and it's you have people like, uh, what would you say the guy's name is? Ardith. Ardith. Yeah. Where they're still actively physically patrolling. Yeah, in the field agents. But you've gotten, you know, things like Evie's boss Dr. where it's like, Terrence Bay. you know, these are scholars. And it's like, you you might say, okay, our whole point is to deter people trying to erase the memory of Hamunaptra, even if the place does exist but if you have these scholars who are like no that's that's myth that like stop but stop talking about it eventually you'll get to a point where the next generation doesn't know but how many of us want to find the library of alexandria because there's so many legends and stories that the scrolls and the the way to atlantis is found in that library yeah and this place has the gold and where the pharaohs hid their treasure. So that's what people want. It's the gold. But Jonathan's like, oh, actually, we can maybe still find out more about Hamanatra and get there because <laughs> I know the guy I stole it from. <laughs> She's like, what? Oh, you silly brother of mine. He's like truly a rat. Actually, I did make this point that uh, Jonathan and Benny they're like the same person i think there's a lot of parallels between the two and oh yeah so like why are we supposed to like one over the other also i might like one over the other i think i do like jonathan but he calls the warden later very smelly like all the time and yeah. i'm just like dude you probably all smell so bad shut up <laughs> but they go to the prison where o'connell is which i don't know if it's that important but i did always wonder why he's there yeah like, I'm, why I'm is not he sure in what, prison? He, what he did Maybe he was naked, and they're like, indecent exposure, lock him up. Yeah. Either that or because he was part of the French Legion, and oh, duh, there's yeah. a war against uh, the French. We don't really know why he's in jail, but I feel like it sets up the, the, he's not a good guy, even though in the movie he's one of the heroes, so he's the good guy. Yeah, and even though he needs to fall in love with the bad boy. Even though he's also doing everything that all the other bad people are doing. But he's a good one. It's yeah. fine. I know those Americans later, they're not so great, but not this American. Mm-hmm. He's a good one. Whatever. He's like, I'll take you to Hamanatra if you save my life. I don't, I've never liked to kiss. It was weird. He probably smelled and his breath was probably really gross. 
and then um she haggles with the warden i i mean i like the warden too i don't know there's like parts where he's funny and there was a part when they're riding out on the camels he's singing a song and it's nice i don't know they're just but they're trying to make him look dumb and greedy okay great wonderful so right before they right before they hang uh o'connell and they're like any last request it's so this is still so good he's like yeah let me go and then the guard i mean yeah he asked for his last request and the guard's like can we he wants to be let go i, I love it and they're like no don't let him go <laughs> it was great and then they drop him but luckily for him and everyone in this movie his neck does not break <laughs> it's a strong neck so evie barters and they they cut him down and next scene we're at the boat we're gonna go and the warden shows up he's gonna protect his investment again uh, that's smart yeah, well, you need not? to know what they, the hole is to get your whole 25. Because I'm sure yeah. it's very common. They're like, hey, we found we a million only... dollars worth, but yeah, we only found a hundred thou. Yeah. So here's your share. Very true. But we do that annoying 90s thing where she's like, oh, he's so gross. And then he shows up all clean cut and everything. And she's like, oh, I guess not. <laughs> and then the same thing with her where he f- sees like oh here's some nerdy librarian but now she has a see-through uh i don't know what to call those things yeah, but reminds me of jasmine yeah and it's like oh yeah she's actually beautiful she the nerdy girl that had a ponytail and glasses lets her hair down and she's now the hot girl next door pretty much yeah your classic tropes at least they did it to both of them i guess so equality yeah <laughs> I think it would have been more obvious if, like, in the prison, he has, like, a beard already. Because then it's the, oh, he shaves, and ooh, eye candy. Yeah, well, I don't know. Maybe they're like, we can't make him that unattractive. (laughs) Guys, come on. Although we already saw him in the intro without uh, a beard or anything Mm -hmm. like that. So, whatever, we're on a boat. We find out that there's another group also going to Hamanatra, the Americans. There's three Americans. um, An Egyptologist, I believe. And Benny is the one taking them there. So because they're like, we also have someone who's been to Hamanatra. Yeah, and uh, Jonathan says that, and yeah. O'Connell's like squeezing his arm or his shoulder, and he's like, "Shut the fuck up!" I don't know why though, because that doesn't really amount to anything. There's a hot topic. I feel like we could in- inspire a hot topic T-shirt from this phrase. They're playing poker or something. They're playing cards, and they're like, "Oh, you want to bet some money?" And he goes. I never gamble with money, only with my life. <laughs> Hot topic. Get it going. A nice little line of it. Because the other one is from the faculty. I only run when being chased. <laughs> okay, so they're attacked later on the boat by the Magi, and it's pretty aggressive. But I don't know. I don't think anything really comes of it. Yeah, that, that's why I think the Magi sucks. Like... If you're going to go as far as sinking a boat, (laughs) but ending a life is where you draw the line, I'm like, uh... I mean, they are shooting guns all the time, but And and I do think, you know, obviously non-important characters do get killed, so this isn't this Batman, you can't kill syndrome, but you do the bare minimum to prevent people from resurrecting this ancient deity. That's fair. Yeah, so everyone, like, jumps off the boat. I thought that uh, when O'Connell jumped off the boat is really is really cool. Because he kind of does, he, like, jumps up and does a little whoop, and then goes down. <laughs> he does, like, a little spin. That looked kind of cool. Because he uh, tells that warden, 
stay here. We're going to go get help in this burning, sinking boat. He's such a jerk. <laughs> or rather, he can be. But yeah, there's so many lines that I just remember from this. Because then you have the... It looks to me like I've got all the horses! Looks to me like you're on the wrong side of the river! I have all the camels. Oh, the horses. But that doesn't even amount to anything because they both arrive at Hamanatra at the exact same time. And this didn't make sense to me either. Because Evie and friends, maybe I'll refer to them as, are on camels. And Benny's like, nice camel. And then in the next scene, when they're running to see who can get to Hamanatra first, Benny's on a camel too. <laughs> so like, what was that quip about? Is it because is it he had to buy them or? I don't know. Are there camel but Apparently elitists? if you want to make your camel go faster, you go tick, 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 tick. Oh my God. She reminded me so much of Mary Poppins throughout this entire oh. movie. She's like, oh, everything is so proper. Even though I just saw a scarab eat a man alive. <laughs> Oh, very naughty of that scarab. What a naughty, naughty scarab. Like, girl. Uh, okay, sure. Oh, before they run to Hamanatra, because they made a, a bet about who can get there first. Just a monetary, monetary bet. Nothing important. <laughs> I snored it with the reveal. I forgot how clumsy it was. Like, they're staring into nothing, and then just all of a sudden it's like, building. <laughs> when the sun hits a certain spot it reveals yeah there's some uh national treasure stuff yeah yeah sure but i'm like dude you you know where it is so like yeah you don't need the sun just start Both, yeah just start running anyway you know, obviously it sets up the three two one go race and and it's a i don't know intense scene i guess it's a lot but of you action. guys both know where the city is and it's you, straight ahead. Yeah, you, you could have just gotten, like, started already. Like, yeah. let's go. And they're like, other kind of, what are we running to? Well, yeah, they run. I, I guess the uh, Okano, Evie, and friends make it first. But we are jumping into finding things right away. I did not remember that the scarab scene was this soon. Oh, So yeah. people, they're looking for things. Uh, well, it's a finder's keeper. So it's like, we want to dig here. Yeah. This is mine. Evie and friends find, I don't think that's sarcophagus? what they, yeah, sarcophagus, and then the Americans are elsewhere, and they find, it looks like another sarcophagus, but it's a big box. I guess right, right now they're just kind of scoping out the scene, and this is when the warden, warden wanders off, and he finds scarabs, like, in the wall. Blue gold, as yeah, he Yeah, blue them. gold. And I do remember the suction sound was so nice. He's a, yeah, it was so satisfying. Blue gold. Such a very fine price. Oh, uh, man. It, yeah, we get the scene. It, oh, it starts in his foot. And I don't know if it, like, ate into his foot, but that is horrific if it did, because there's, like, Yeah, because he's, no like, touching his leg. In and... your feet. Yeah, and we see it crawl up, and I didn't remember it being so big either, because he, like, rips his shirt, and he sees this huge mound. Ugh. I don't remember him having such a hairy chest. <laughs> but, yeah, and then... It, he like goes running and screaming and runs into a wall and I guess kills himself right in front of our main characters and they're just like huh? mm -hmm. yeah that's a person that you talk to but whatever who cares well they're like we just got 20% yeah that night the magi this is when the magi show up and they start attacking and this is when they should have ended it all they should have yeah, they should Either. have just killed everyone. They're in the city. They're looking yeah. for things. They have already found some things, right? Yeah. So they either should have killed them all or or at least made sure that they left. But then 
Rick pulls out, O'Connell pulls out dynamite, and uh, Ardeth is like, eh, <laughs> I like my life. life. Yeah. <laughs> so they give him a night, and uh, during this sequence, Evie shoots someone. And I was like, Evie, you just killed a man. What the? Yeah. And, yeah. Just, and like, I mean, nothing. we've already seen that the Magi are willing to fight till the death, considering that that one dude that was burned was like, you can't take that key because they know that that would open up the books, that would open up the the coffin. Mm-hmm. So terrible um, as Magi. Yeah. They've definitely fallen from their high dynasty of when they were first created 3,000 years ago. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. I just like Ardith, but I guess you're right. So yeah, the next day, this is when the Americans, they pull the bo- they find a box and it has a curse on it. Like whoever opens this, this death will come swiftly on wings or something like that. It was cool sounding. Benny, smart, says, bye. Deuces. I'm not going to be here. And they open it. And then our team, I'll say, because we're, yeah. I mean, the heroes. Yeah. Evie and friends, they get a juicy mummy pop. Yeah. <laughs> That's what they call it. They open it and the mommy's like, Wah! and they're Jump like, scare. it's juicy. Yeah, because they were like, it's been 3,000 years, yet it's not, you know, that dry, what we normally see other mummies. They're yeah. like, there's still flesh. It's wet. Honestly, to me, he looks like a tree. I don't know. That's what the design looked like to me. It looked like bark because it's brown and I guess it's supposed to be decayed. I don't know. Yeah. Anyways, and then that, so the Americans, they found the canopic jars, which I guess the jars are gold and stuff. Like, why is having someone's organs profitable? I mean, old organs, I should say. (laughs) But they also found the Book of the Dead. Oh my. And so they're kind of making fun of their Josh and the other guys like, oh, we found, I heard you found yourself a juicy mummy. So that night, Evie steal borrows the Book of the Dead. And again, so many good lines. She goes, It's just a book. No harm ever came from reading a book. She has the key, so she opens it and reads it. And then we see Imhotep wake up. It's yeah. so good. Terrible. Where's the Magi now? Huh? Huh? Magi? Can you imagine if they're just like, oh, fuck. Yeah. <laughs> we yeah, that's... Up. that's- Exactly. Why did you give them another day? I don't yeah. know. He had died. And they, they gave them a whole like 24 hour. It was like, it's nighttime. I thought I'm like, hey, it's the afternoon. Get You've out. had the morning to leave. Yeah. Burn that dynamite. We're all dying here tonight. Evil dies tonight. Yeah, evil dies tonight. Yeah. Terrible as magi. So uh, did things start sinking? Something happens where everyone gets spooked and they start running away. But running away by running inside of the buildings and things no because my next line is oh it's the locusts that come oh the plagues have been they have begun yeah they run inside and one of the americans the americans with the american with glasses i can't see without my glasses yeah i was like okay velma i can't find my glasses and then benny oh and you were saying this whole movie is like a scooby-doo movie it is because then later when they're all together. Imhotep's like, Meh, I would have gotten away with this. It wasn't for these meddling kids. It's so true. But then a scene later, Evie backs into a booby trap and disappears yeah, a la disa- Daphne. It's fucking Scooby-Doo. Benny is Scooby. Sorry, oh. Benny. <laughs> That's just... Well, actually, so it could be Jonathan. Sh- shaggy? Maybe, yeah. Benny or and Fred. Jonathan are interchangeably shaggy and Scooby. <laughs> 
Fred would obviously have to be O'Connell, right? Um, Evie is Daphne, but a stronger Daphne. Maybe she's a Daphne from the live action <laughs> Scooby-Doo. Evie could be a combination of Velma and Daphne yeah. together. Yeah, because she's the one that reads and knows all she the stuff. She does know everything. But now I kind of want her to be Velma. It doesn't matter. Anyways, I could go down that rabbit hole forever, so I'll just move along. Uh, this is actually the Annihilation, because I can't think of another word, of this first American. I forget his name. It always... It always just creeped me out so bad. Just the way they set it up and showed it, and then the, the fact that the, the Imhotep comes from later is also just so creepy. So he's he's in these dark tunnels, and he can't see anyways because he doesn't have his glasses, and we're getting shots from his point of view or behind him and in front of him, and you see shadows walking around. And then Imhotep comes up behind him or something, and then the next we, scene we get, he had Oh, he doesn't have eyes. He doesn't have eyes or tongue, Evie. But he can still talk, which is, I mean, not that he can talk clearly, can but... you still talk without your tongue? Yeah, I guess it's how far the tongue goes, because isn't it supposed to go, like, way down there, and, like, sound is really produced in the back of your throat? Just like in that scene, though, it looks like they cut, what, two inches? Yeah. But yeah, that was also really creepy, because then when Evie goes through the trap door, she sees him from behind. She's like, oh my god, I'm so happy to see yeah. you. I thought I was lost and then he turns around he doesn't have eyes or tongue and he's just like crying out it's it's just horrific but it's a little ironic that uh i mean some of it is like foreshadowing but that imhotep takes the worst the worst eyes from from him because there were there was some tweets of people saying like that's why he thought evie was uh, aksuna moon because he's like is that you? You <laughs> look like a lady, so it's yeah. gotta be yeah. you. It's gotta be her, so... You're the only lady here, so... Oh my god, that's so funny. I love that. That I don't know, we're, we're running around at this point. People are doing things. I think O'Connell finds Evie again, and she's, like, being backed up by Imhotep, who's like, Anaksuna Moon, my love. And <laughs> I still love this part, too. The first time that O'Connell sees the mummy, he's just like, ah! <laughs> you could play hide sneak. Come on, let's get out of here! Whoa! Which he does shoot, so it's like good for him. Yeah. Yeah, it is interesting because later when they're all leaving, they run into the Magi again. They run into Ardith, and Ardith is like, great, thanks guys. You did a bang up job by letting this curse up- out upon the world. And O'Connell's like, no, I shot him. It's fine. <laughs> I was like, you idiot. How many times do I have to tell you? No mortal weapon can kill this creature. But also, like, what would you think if you saw something like that come back to life? Obviously, there's something unscientific happening here. And it's like, do you really think a gun would... I mean, but that's what they know, right? So... But you also know that mummies aren't real. I mean, like, alive mummies aren't real. Yeah. But I would have been like, good job, Magi. Way to give us an extra 24 hours to resurrect this guy. Pointing those fingers. Is that Spider-Man meme? Everyone's like... (laughs) (laughs) And this is when we see Benji... Benji? Why do I keep calling him Benji? Benny uh, coming into contact with Imhotep and he's he's praying to all the different gods in many languages. Uh, I was curious because whenever he's alone or mumbling to himself, it said in the closed caption that he was speaking Hungarian. So I'm like, I wonder if Benny's from Hungary. that's That's what I would assume. Oh, now I want a story about Benny, too. Yeah, so 
he starts speaking Hebrew and, and Imhotep's like, I have use for you. That's that. And but then, then I wonder, like, if, if Imhotep, can he talk to Benny in Hebrew and, like, that's how they communicate? Or is it psychologically, Benny knows what Imhotep wants? I wonder so... too now that you said it because he was translating later in the movie. Benny's translating for Imhotep. Yeah. And Evie calls him out for incorrect translation it's correct it's just not like the perfect you know someone studied more for their sats than the other one i'm just like girl calm down he knows 10 languages (laughs) do you but my point of bringing that up is like she obviously knows egyptian so but does she also know hebrew so like what is what is benny translating and what is imhotep saying so yeah maybe he also knows it i wouldn't put it past benny to not know more languages yeah everyone's back to cairo they're gonna leave but the boat doesn't leave until tomorrow. We get a nice little foreshadowing scene with this old white pilot who wishes he'd gone out like his fellow pilots Wants in a blaze of glory. Maybe. Oh, I guess. He didn't <laughs> seem Viking to me. He seemed like a British dude. It's kind of, oh, it's kind of messed up because they're all downstairs in this really gorgeous open bar expanse looking place. It's beautiful. But they're getting drinks and they're like, how's your friend? And the other two Americans are like, how would you be? He's alone. You left him alone? I know he's our friend, but he's kind of annoying right now because he doesn't have a tongue or eyes and he won't stop complaining about yeah. it. So we're just going to drink down here mm-hmm. and leave him because he's alone and he's interacting with Imhotep and Benny. And it's so sad because he's, he's trying to be hospitable. Why? He's like, oh, hello, sir. Have some tea. Let me shake your hand. And Benny's like, don't touch him. He thanks you for his eyes, and he thanks you for his tongue. And then, oh, the guy just gets really sad and, like, scared. Mm-hmm. Yep, that's that. He absorbs him. Up. Yeah, they always, like, turn to... Drains the life out of him. Yeah, and they, like, get mel- not melted down. I don't know how to say it, but, you know, they become bone. They, like, get sucked out until it's just bone out. left. Yeah, it's like they're getting dried out. Uh, but it's in shadow, right? It's always in shadow. They show it, which I think was a smart choice creepy but also it's probably because the effects didn't look so great mm-hmm. <laughs> so they meet up with the magi again this is when we learn that evie's librarian boss is part of the magi and they're like oh he wants to sacrifice you eva eva evie to bring back anaksuna moon and it was really sweet because the her boss is like after all this time he still loves her it's just like and he didn't say it like a like oh my god i can't believe it it was like respect respect That's the love deep love yeah He's like, wow. In a modern day society where people are like, meh. Yeah. 3,000 years later. Because they want to keep the remaining Americans who open that box safe because once he's reabsorbed, then he has all his power and he's immortal. And I don't know why they just didn't carry cats around with them for the rest of the movie because mm-hmm. he does not yeah. like cats. Strap up on cats. Right? Yeah, I told you. I was like, I'd be strapping cats <laughs> to my body. <laughs> But they're going to go search for, what are, do you remember? The Book of Amun-Ra. That's right. I think they deduce that since the Book of the Dead brought him back, the Book of Amun-Ra will kill him again. Evie dropping massive knowledge on the Magi as if they don't already know this. I'm like, okay, girl. But, you know, she wants to. Well, they're probably like, tell me something I don't know. Yeah. So they're going to go find the book and they decide to let the Americans stay and watch over Evie. But Evie doesn't want to stay. And she said... I'm not a carpet bag. What? What's that? And so I looked it up, and a carpet bag is just a thick bag made with carpet. <laughs> However, so like maybe she's saying like, oh, I'm not a dead weight. But when I was like, what is carpet bag? 
carpet bagger came up and I'm like, well, what's that? So apparently there are three definitions and I'll read them all because I thought to some extent they were all, they all worked well in this movie. So a carpet bagger is derogatory, uh, a political candidate who seeks election in an area where they have no local connections. So that felt while not running for, no, maybe they are a little bit, felt a bit like colonialism, right? So <laughs> another, a person in the US, a person from the Northern states who went to the South after the Civil War to profit from the Reconstruction, again, like colonialism and going to another area that's not your own to try and take the wealth that is there, or a person perceived as unscrupulous or opportunistic. And who does that describe? If not, everyone in the film. No. Okay, <laughs> not everyone, but a lot Pretty of them. Pretty much everybody. Not the I mean, magi. That's, the whole, that's the whole point. Yeah. Well, I mean, who funds the Magi? Duty. Right. So someone is paying for them to be there. That's true. I never even thought of that. Well, maybe they're like... I mean, a... I, I don't know if they're descendants, right? This is like, uh, who is it in Game of Thrones that protect the wall? Oh, the Night's Watch. Yeah. And it's like just a bunch of dudes. <laughs> but you need kids to continue the next generation of Magi. So some of them must have, or I don't know if it's, uh, yeah, if you don't want to be part of the Egyptian society go and become the magi and protect hopefully the... they're not all convicts like it turned out yeah towards the later years of the night watch so the night's watch clearly not the brightest oh you are just so, so mean to well my it's just artist. like you have one job you had one you that's had... a pretty big job though sure to protect a mythical to everyone else land of gold just and like, wealth from all people... of the world what Stop whole... people from coming to the city. They're That's like all you got to do. Ten guys. No, there's more. Because, like, if Evie's boss is Magi, who else is in society that's Magi? And your whole job is to just be like, the city of Atlantis does not exist. The greatest trick the yeah. devil ever played on the world is making them believe he didn't exist. Yeah. Something like that. Magi suck. <sighs> Magi. That's your has... new t shirt slang. Magi sucks. But that's not hot topic y. So at some point, I was like, Benny sounds like the bat from Anastasia. <laughs> then I geek her, sir. And I also said this movie feels like it inspired a lot of visuals for other movies because whenever we see the Americans suck dry, they look like the people who died in the ring. So I was like, and then that Imhotep is always yell when he like screams at people, his mouth extends very long. It's very good, but it looks like every long mouth demon we see now in horror movies are always like Wah. anyways but everyone's like out in the streets of cairo at this point running around i think it's because they're looking for amun ra or information on it and they get encased <laughs> they get surrounded by Imote. yeah Imote. people who imhotep has influenced or he has control over for some reason i don't know that's not part of the plagues but the boils and the sores are so sure so they surround them all. And oh, it's so sad the librarian dies here. Oh, he's so good. Imhotep is like, Evie, come with me and I'll let your friends go. But he doesn't. She says, okay. And then they try and kill him. And that's when the librarian dies. No, well, he does dies. let them go, but then they come back to him. Huh? No, because he told, he told his crowd to kill them. He said no harm will come to them. Oh, what a I liar. think. Yeah, he is. Their one, their one attempt to get us not to like him. I'm like, nah. True love lives yeah, on. Yeah, he is the true hero of this movie. I like him. I feel tremendously... I feel a lot of sadness for his story. Oh yeah, also at this point, I think all the Americans have been reabsorbed. He is 
at full force. Yeah, because it's weird. He got, like, the eyes and the tongue or whatever, but the rest of his body was still... And then when he absorbed, I guess, like, two out of three, it's like all he has is just one flesh wound, so... Gotta see that face. Gotta see that pretty face. We're off to another action sequence. Imhotep takes Benny and Evie back to Hamanatra. To complete the ritual. Yeah, and Jonathan O'Connell and Ardith find that old British guy, the old British dude. All right, I don't want to fly a plane. And O'Connell's like, yeah, but you might die. And he's like, might I die? Death, you say? Oh, death? You're like, yeah, he's like, okay, I'm on board. Gambling with my life? Yeah. And I love this scene so much because Jonathan and, and Ardith are on the wings, which, yeah, right. But Jonathan is having a miserable time. And then we pan over to Ardith and he's like, wow, this is amazing. And I'm like, yes, love you. You're great. You're perfect. Don't ever change. You're great at your job. Don't let no, anyone. No, it's the worst job ever. <laughs> if he's the manager of the Magi, terrible. Oh. So we get more of that awesome sand CGI and it's epic and the pilot dies. It's a little sad, but. The quicksand. Good for him. All right, so this is like our third act. We're back in Hamanatra. Everything's coalescing. We're in the temple. Things are kicking off. Oh, yeah, Jonathan, I guess, finds the bugs that the warden found earlier. And, oh, it's so gross. We get another bug under the skin scene. Okay, logistics? How would you cut a moving bug out from under someone's skin? Because I thought you'd, like, kind of slice and, like, push it out kind of vibe. He's, like, not parallel. He comes, like, like in. Yeah. And I'm, like, um. But then also, like, the bug didn't jump out bloody. I didn't even... Oh, yeah, he shoot Man, O'Connell's like, a great shot. He shoots this little bug that's moving like crazy with a gun. Yeah, that was aggressive and gross. But did he do it out of his out of his forearm? I thought it was, like, his shoulder. I don't know. I like, they don't really show it. Like, that's, that's why I think this movie has aged really well, is that they decide to not show a lot of these scenes, right? Like, we don't see the cutting of the tongue. We don't see the mummification. Yeah. We don't see her stabbing herself or them killing the the pharaoh. Everything gets put away, which now it's kind of evolved into a watch it with your kids movie, blah, blah, blah. Older uh, kids, maybe. <laughs> well, you know, but it's it's not as graphic. It's not as yeah. gruesome. And so if you don't have to show that. It is if you think about it. If you well, think yeah, about the ob- Obviously, if you think of what is really going on, it's very, very scary. But they don't show it, so it could, it ages really well. I would agree with that. Uh, I only ask because later he's, you know, carrying the book around and it looks like he has one of those wrist wraps for Ugh. carpal tunnel. <laughs> I was like, what? What? When did he get that? Imhotep has Evie all tied up and Moon's body is there and he calls for the mummies to attack. I assume his priests. Yeah. I get a little bit confused because I think some of them are his priests and other... Oh, and then Jonathan, when he's reading from the Amun-Ra. And so Jonathan is reading through it as it's a fun little scene. Everyone's fighting and there's everyone's distracted. And Jonathan's yelling to Evie, like, help me decipher these hieroglyphics, I assume. It's kind of crazy that he, because we get the sense that Evie's like this scholar, but that Jonathan isn't. But yet he knows how to read those hieroglyphs. I think he probably trained as an archaeologist 
and is or was, but yeah. now is disgraced because he stole shit. Yeah, which at the beginning she was like, "Don't ruin my career like you ruined yours." Exactly. Yeah, that, so, I think that's why I think that. But also, he's it's your like washed up has been archaeologist. Everyone was stealing things back then, so it's probably he stole from finding. a he probably stole from another white man. So then that's when they're like, "Oh, this guy is no good." You broke. You crossed the line. Yeah, you crossed the line by stealing from me. But yeah, so. Jonathan is the one who raises the the guards of the pharaohs. So we have the priests and we have the guards. But, but it's both... weird because when he first gets those guards, Imhotep controls them. Yeah. So and oh. maybe it's like these guards clearly have no allegiance. It's just like whoever tells us to do something will do. Yeah, but it's weird because I thought those were also the guards who who did the. Yeah, it looked like they were the ones that that like were gonna stop. Aksunamun, because of and only because of their shield and their hats. Yeah, the hat helmet. Sorry, but I thought those were the ones who performed the hum die on him. It kind of looked like it. Yeah, but I don't know. One of those guys had an Anubis helmet, so okay, sure. The the priests were kind of giving me Silent Hill vibe, nurse vibes, the way that they were moving at first. Mm-hmm. Oh, I think we got it like twice. We got Night of the Living Dead reference. We get the mummy hand out of the sand. Jonathan has to finish the incantation to get control over the guards, which he does at some point. I'm not really going to get into the action unless you want to. It's all over the place. It's good. It's fun. But what, you want me to give you a blow by blow? It's a lot of O'Connell going, <laughs> and then the mummy's going, <laughs> and him going, no. Right, he does end up getting control, and this was so fucking traumatizing because then in shadow again, the guards stab Anaxuna Moon, and Imhotep has to watch again. My God, that's traumatic. It's so sad. No, oh, it's just like fucked up. And to the watch way your lover die. Yeah, Thrice. and then the way Imhotep dies is just so sad too. I love that actor. He's just like the pain and the shock on his face in the those ending moments, and it's just oh, he's so good. You really feel for him yeah. because Jonathan gives a book to Evie. Evie gets loose. She reads then the incant. I don't know if it's an incantation. She reads the passage that makes Imhotep immortal again. Mortal again. Mortal. But she didn't know. She was like, this is how we're going to stop him. Because then like this blue chariot comes in and goes through him. But it, it kind of takes his soul. Yeah, it was Or sad. I guess his immortality. Or the curse? Is that the Hyundai? Is that a anti-Hyundai people? I don't know, because doesn't he come back in the second one? Or no? I think in this... Well... I don't I, remember. I don't remember as much. I remember they make the Evie, second. like, the daughter of the pharaoh. I'm right. Like, okay. yeah. But I only ask that also because when he dies, he says, death is just the beginning again. At least I assume he does, because it didn't say what he yeah, was actually saying. but Evie then... tells us what he said. So... As you all start dying, just start saying mysterious things. Yeah. Like, Death is only the beginning, or I will return. It's just such a sad movie. Yeah, it is. I a... thought, like, what a torturous, exhausting life and afterlife. Yeah, and, and may, is that the worst punishment that you could have given him? Where they're like, look, if he lives forever and Aksunamun is dead, then they can never be together. You know, one can argue that in the afterlife, they would have been able to find each other. I, I don't really know what Egyptians believe if, like, there's a yeah, there's an afterlife, afterlife well, like, where they in hang ancient out. Egyptian, right, yeah. So now. it's like, considering that they were willing to do the worst curse of them all, 
is immortality that curse because you know where i stand with immortality where it's like that is the worst punishment ever you know you live forever all of your friends and family die do you continue making friends knowing that they're gonna die or do you end up being alone some like person recluse. you know generation after generation after generation you're still alive and everybody you know dies so you could never be with the one that you love for eternity so that in one sense an extremely punishing I think you're right then it really truly is then of course that's why they gave him immortality because it was it's not like oh whoops we screwed ourselves in the process it's like no like you said he will never join her in the afterlife and they'll be separated forever wow that's really that's even more depressing thanks (laughs) who knew the mummy was not a good time but I'm like that's such a personal attack on Imhotep well what else are they killing him for? No, other than like, a you personal... know, there's other stories where they're like, hey, they chopped off the head and the head went here. The limbs went to different places and yeah. mummification alive. Uh, yeah, but I feel they like could they could have preserved him and just kept him alive forever. I feel like they were doing a personal. Well, that's the same thing. I feel but like... I just don't get it's like, let's include the possibility of us getting screwed maybe if he comes back. That's the only way to give someone immortality, yeah, maybe. you know? I don't know. This last sequence stressed me out real bad. We have one final action-y moment. Benny has been, during this whole last fight scene, pilfering all the... Not all of it. It's like a, it's like yeah. the Aladdin room yeah. full of gold. He's been taking as much of it as he can. And you see his greed because he has a lot of gold, but he just can't help himself from going back for more. And then he sets off a booby trap. And the whole the whole city starts to sink and our characters are rushing to get out. And this is what stresses me out when I talk about things like the descent and the cave. Because they're having to slide under these doors that are shutting. But these doors are probably like from this entire room. You can't see the room, I understand. But they're, it's so thick. So even if you have enough time to get through it, if it were a normal door, well, now you have to contend with how thick it is. And you're like crawling under it as it's lowering and you can literally just probably watch yourself get crushed Mm -hmm. so yeah there's a lot of that and then we get yet another horrific death because um i guess they're just trying to make us like o'connell even more i like him i always do (laughs) he's like benny give me your hand but you're not pulling him it's a thick ass slab as i've already said you're not pulling him through with two inches of space left enough time for him to not get crushed whatever so he goes back in and he's stuck in that gold room. And I guess there's no oxygen because he has a torch with fire and it just goes out. And as it's going out, we see the flesh-eating scarabs come. Oh, and it just goes dark and we just hear him screaming. But I think I'd rather die of suffocation. Or getting crushed. I don't know. What if you just... Because when he's climbing back out, that also stressed me out because he's going pretty slow, honestly. And it looks like he's going to get him. I think the last thing's out are his feet. And I'm just like, God, can you imagine if you just got your freaking feet crushed in? Yeah, it's stressful. Mm-hmm. But then we're outside and Ardith has survived because he did a very lovely self-sacrifice with the dynamite. I feel like there's actually a lot of callbacks or at least foreshadowing. Kind of obvious foreshadowing because the warden mentions how he hates bugs twice. Oh, the pilot saying he wants to die in a plane. The guy bringing up his eyes. Oh, yeah. And then the Magi, Ardith is like, the reason why he stopped fighting was because of the dynamite. And then he di- dies, we think, by via self, self-sacrifice self against all the priests with dynamite. But he's not dead. So I'm happy. 
he's all like, thanks guys, you saved the day. And I'm like, no, they did not. They're the whole reason this happened. And he's like, great job, bye. But see, this is why I think the Magi is even worse at their job. Because <laughs> it's like, he does thing like, hey guys, you saved the day. Why? Because now tech, well, I mean, part two does happen. But there was a self-destruct button in this city, Magi. If you really wanted to stop this guy from coming back, why didn't you guys push that statue down? And then the city of Hamunaptra would have sunk, would have been destroyed, and then I... you don't really need to protect it. I don't think it got destroyed. I think that, I think it just is like a sinking mechanism. Right. So like sink it. it. Like, yeah. You know? But I don't think it's unfindable. Personally, that's not the vibe I get. Right, but it would have made it even more difficult. Like, we hear that for 3,000 years, men have been fighting on top of this land for that treasure. Had you just like, let's sink it now. Yeah. I mean, he had to thank them because they're the white leads of the movie. Oh, cool. <laughs> so, <laughs> it's like, I really don't want to, but it's written in the script, so. And then my last note <laughs> is, I'd be so sunburnt and smelly. Yeah, I think all of us would be. Because <laughs> they're riding off into the sunset, and it just looks so fucking hot mm -hmm. and miserable. Yeah, and considering that when they first saw O'Connell leaving, they're like, the sun's going to kill him. Like, how long is it going to take for him to get out of the desert? They took camels to get there. I assume someone and, found And it them. was at least one night's trip, because we see them sleeping. But yeah, that's the sad story of Imhotep. Anaxunamun and the evil people who tried who to, keep them, to apart keep them apart and succeeded. Well, I mean, there's a part two. So. I think I actually, now that I think about it, I think it's all about um, the Scorpion King with the rock. Um, the last thing I wanted to say is the, the notion you've brought it up of, of greed and a lot of the motivations here. So greed being one of the seven deadly sins, it's majority the motivation that we see why people are going to Hamunaptra with the exception of Evie and one might you know she's argue that she's knowledge. greedy for knowledge so it's not it's not gold it's not monetary but the only reason why the Americans are going there is for the gold same thing with the scholar that they have he wants the book of the dead to sell it the warden is there because he's getting 25% of the treasure Jonathan is there because that's where the Pharaoh's gold has been hidden. He knows it's valuable. And Evie is going because she wants to get into that Egyptologist society. And they're like, you don't have enough field experience. And she's like, I'm going to prove them wrong by finding the city of Hamunaptra. Which I guess she found it. Um, but now what? where's the evidence that it's actually there? And then O'Connell is there. Like, yes, they saved his life, but I'm assuming he's getting paid to get him there. And then because when he gets them back, he's like, look, I did my part of the deal. I took you there. I brought you back. I'm done. We're done. It's, it's over. And you were talking about how Benny and Jonathan are like very similar characters. And I feel like there are. And I feel like the biggest difference that we see is one is being more selfish, being Benny and like self-preservation. And he's not there for his friends. He turns his back on O'Connell in the very beginning of the scene. And Jonathan ends up not quite sacrificing himself, but he ends up saving Evie at, you know, the expense of him not getting his gold. And I feel like that whole, okay, yes, I was greedy for gold, but my sister and friends are more important, that ends up saving his life, where Benny was 
going in and out, in and out. Like how many trips did he make of getting gold and loading up the camel? To what point is enough gold enough? How rich? You know, once you're a gazillionaire, what do you need to get to the next level? Like, Maybe it's just like a need for security. And so long as there's more, it's never going to be enough. Or right. like a, there's no end number yeah, there, to hit no, his bank account. Yeah, there, there isn't. It's, it's never enough. That thirst is always there. And we do see it in Jonathan and Evie and, and O'Connell pull him out. But then we also see it in Evie when Jonathan drops the book and she's like, oh, my God, I need to get this yeah. book. And they're like, oh, now we got to grab her. It's like, hey, it's time to go. And it's. Uh... Yeah, that was funny because Jonathan, he's wipes out. It's one of those fails. You like drop something, but then it goes way further than you thought. And you're like, damn it. But yeah. he doesn't even blink bad an eye. He's up and he continues running. And I thought he was going to like, no, the book. But no, it's Evie. Yeah, but I mean, she's she's the scholar and it's like... But it was made of gold. To, you know? to come back with those incantations, I'm like, is that, you know, great uh, Uncle Ben is going to tell you with that great power comes great responsibility. And do you bring forth the destruction of Earth? Because you happen to read, maybe not a curse as bad as the Hyundai, but what's just underneath the Hyundai? Like, I'm sure there's, you know, very dangerous things to read. In Evil Dead, they talk about the Book of the Dead and they bring back these plagues or whatever. Oh, I was curious because obviously they didn't show all 10 plagues, or if they did, I missed it. But I was wondering, did they not show them because of time, issues with time, or they didn't know how to incorporate all of them, like killing of the firstborn? And we were just to assume that all 10 happened or they just figured maybe not all 10 got to happen because they stopped oh maybe um imhotep from doing it because yeah they, they definitely played that fine line between biblical egyptian 10 plagues and then i guess like imhotep's 10 plagues oh like, why what do you mean no it's like which ones does he bring oh, forth I see, right because we did we did see the locust yeah. we saw the water turn to blood we saw the raining fire the boils i don't really know what are the other 10 plagues frogs cover the lands dust turns to gnats flies fill the houses of the lands of egypt your livestock dies the dark we saw the darkness that was the eclipse and then the firstborn the last thing I want to bring up about this movie, so it came out in 1999. This is when like The Matrix was out. It's weird because The Mummy in its essence is a horror movie, right? Like the original, it's like coming back to life. It's a monster creature movie. Yet this one action is so much action, right? So it's like, is it a horror movie? Is it an action movie? But then you have characters like Benny and the Warden, which is like, it's the funny thing. And even Brandon Fraser, he was George of the Jungle right before this movie. It's like, you're doing all of these elements into a remake. So it's like, where are you? And I feel like clearly the movie was very successful. They did The Mummy 2, 3, and now they're still doing remakes of The Mummy. It has this cult-like following, but I feel like it's never going to go down as one of the greats because it's yeah, trying to be so much to... Say, I don't know. It doesn't feel like you think it's too all over the place. To be one of the greats. Like if someone says like, oh, what's one of your favorite movies of all time? Who's going to say The Mummy? I would say it's one of my favorite action adventure, but okay. you know, I don't watch a lot yeah, of action adventure. So... And and I feel like this one being action adventure, but because at its core, it's other things. It's a love story. I feel like it resonates with a lot more people. Mm, sure. But then it's like when you try to satisfy too many people, you end up not pleasing everyone. I do not get those vibes. 
Yeah, it's not it's not gonna be a thought provoking. No, it's not a epic movie, but I think it's really well done in in what it's trying to accomplish personally. So I'm very surprised to hear you say that. Just a different point. I guess yeah, it was like if you were trying to be a horror movie, be a horror movie. If you're trying to be an action, but yeah, sure, blur, blend the blend the blend. genres and do do your thing. That's what I think. All right. Tell us your thoughts about the film and leave any suggestions for future films you want us to watch. And thanks for hanging out. Thanks, everyone.